Section 5C of Bible Defense of Slavery by Josiah Priest. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. On the subject of a child's treating its parents with intended disrespect, see the opinion of God himself. Deuteronomy chapter 27 verse 16, who in that place says, Cursed be he that sitteth light by his father or his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. This sin, the treating a father or mother disrespectfully, was, by the law of Moses, punished with death. See Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 18 through 21. Consequently, according to this law, Ham was morally worthy of death. But lest the reader may suspect that this terrible character of Ham is almost, if not entirely, imaginary, we shall, as promised some pages above, give the history of that deed of his from the pen of Josephus. See Jewish Antiquities, chapter 6, book 1, page 22, as follows. Quote, when after the deluge the earth was settled in its former condition, Noah set about its cultivation, and when he had planted it with vines, and when the fruit was ripe, and he had gathered the grapes in the season, and the wine was ready for use, he offered a sacrifice, and feasted, and being inebriated, fell asleep, and lay naked in an unseemly manner. When Ham, his youngest son, saw this, he came laughing, and showed him to his brothers. Close quote. From this evidence, the fact of Ham having treated his father with great disrespect and wicked levity is fairly made out, and therefore deserves the character we have described as his, and the punishment awarded to him and his race, both judicial and as a result of his and their natures. But, says one, we have always held that this curse of Noah, as it is called, upon the negro race, was a kind of unmeaning rhapsody of the father of Ham, and long ago became obsolete and perfectly nugatory. To unhinge, therefore, a notion so fraught with lightness and falsehood, we exhibit the following, from the pen of inspiration, and having a strong relation in kind and character, so far as it relates to the curses of God, or denunciations of the highest, which he has seen fit to publish in the annals of truth, the holy scriptures. We bring them to view as parallels to the case of the denunciation of Ham, believing as fully in their perfect accomplishment as we do in that of the curse of Noah upon Ham and his race. The first case of the kind which occurs on the sacred page is found Genesis chapter 3 verse 14, and reads as follows. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. 
upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. This curse on the serpent, which was uttered more than sixteen hundred years before the curse of Noah upon Ham and his race, has lost nothing of its force and true meaning, though vastly more ancient and prolix in its interpretation, as commonly understood. A second case, in the character of a curse, is found in the same chapter as above, at the seventeenth verse, respecting the ground, which, on account of Adam's sin, in hearkening to his wife's counsel, was cursed, so that it is supposed to have been far less prolific, from the time of that sin to the flood, and from the flood to this day, than it would otherwise have been, had it not been thus cursed by the Supreme Being. The exact form or words of this curse are as follows. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Has this curse failed of being continually fulfilled in all ages, though vastly more ancient than the curse of Noah upon his son Ham? And were all equally judicial? No man discredits the complete accomplishment of the patriarch Jacob's predictions respecting the fortunes of his twelve sons in their posterities. See Genesis chapter 49, from the third to the twenty-seventh verse inclusive, where the wonderful and specific history of that prophet's foresight is related. Add to the above the terrible curses of God, by the mouth of Moses, upon the whole Hebrew or Jewish tribes, if they forsook the law, which in process of time they did, and how awfully and perfectly those curses were fulfilled, all men know. For a history of those curses, or judicial acts of God, see the entire chapter, the twenty-eighth of Deuteronomy. Now, with all this before our eyes, and impressed upon our belief, are we to undervalue the same kind of inspiration, because it is found to affect a subject on which some men have made up their minds not to believe, namely, the curse of Noah, or God's judicial act upon Ham, and his foresight of the slavery of that race, as shown to Noah, and say it was never thus intended? The appointment of this race of men to servitude and slavery was a judicial act of God, or, in other words, was a divine judgment. There are three evidences of this, which are as follows. First, the fact of their being created or produced in a lower order of intellectuality than either of the other races, as we shall prove in due order, their forms, natures, or passions agreeing therewith, is evidence of the preordination of their fate as slaves on the earth, as none but God could have done or determined this thing. 
second the announcement of god by the mouth of noah relative to the whole race of ham pointing out in so many words in the clearest and most specific manner that they were adjudged to slavery as we have already shown from the book of genesis agreeing with the first witness as above namely that they were foreordained and appointed to the condition they hold among men by the divine mind solely on account of the foreseen character they would sustain as a race who therefore were thus judiciously put beneath the supervision of the other races third the great and everywhere pervading fact of their degraded condition both now and in all time more or less is the very climax witness that in the above conclusion we are not mistaken namely that the negro race as a people are judicially given over to a state or peculiar liability of being enslaved by the other races why the supreme being saw fit to create or to produce such a race thus low in the scale of human existence and at the same time foreseeing their character and consequent condition on the earth is more than can be known by any human research and of necessity is therefore none of our business it might as well be inquired why god made the world at all and peopled it by the two first of our race seeing he foresaw all they would do in opposition to his will and benevolent designs such inquiries are probably beyond our depth of investigation while facts are not thus hidden from us and one of the great facts of god's jurisprudence among men appears to be the judicial appointment of the black race to slavery here it is proper for us to state that many persons with all abolitionists believe that what noah said on that occasion was merely prophetic and not judicial if prophetic merely then it would follow that the slavery of the negro race was by noah foretold the same as the other wicked acts of men were foretold by the prophets but not therefore sanctioned by the holy spirit this view of theirs however will not bear thus to be softened down on account of the fearful word cursed which raises it above the ordinary foresight of the prophets respecting the wicked acts of men and makes it a direct decree it is written in the scriptures cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree galatians chapter 3 verse 13 and cursed is every one who loveth not the lord jesus christ are not these recorded as judicial and on account of the word cursed amount to far more than a mere prophecy so also as it relates to the announcement of noah the word cursed being the governing idea relating to negro slavery 
makes it a judicial decree which involves more than a mere prophecy placing its fulfillment beyond the fortuitous or contingent acts of men the whole three verses of noah's curse on the race of ham is delivered in the imperative mood making their accomplishment sure above and beyond all contingencies that a day of final judgment is to come is not more strongly and decidedly set down by the inspired writer than is the doom of the negro race in the particular of servitude and will not be more certainly fulfilled than has been and is now fulfilling the word of the lord by noah on the subject of judicial curses see deuteronomy the twenty-seventh and twenty-eighth chapters in which there are no less than sixteen such decrees and curses all of which however were conditionally suspended over the heads of the twelve tribes if they would obey the law then blessings should be their portion but if they transgressed in the particulars mentioned in those sixteen verses above alluded to then they were cursed and judiciously so some of those curses are as follows see the fifteenth sixteenth seventeenth eighteenth and nineteenth verses of the twenty-eighth chapter of deuteronomy but it shall come to pass if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the lord thy god to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which i command thee this day that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee cursed shalt thou be in the city and cursed shalt thou be in the field cursed shall be thy basket and thy store cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land the increase of thy kin and the flocks of thy sheep cursed shalt thou be when thou comest in and cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out now who will deny but the above curses were judicially pronounced though conditionally but in the curse of noah which was by the authority of the same god there was no condition at all it was a direct curse without remedy palliation or chance of escape how is it possible therefore for any one to maintain that the curse of noah on the race of ham was not a bona fide judicial decree not a mere prophecy the fulfillment of which should happen contingently but a decree which should be fulfilled irrespective of contingencies in an arbitrary and executive manner thus we believe that sufficient evidence appears from the scriptures of the judicial appointment of that people to servitude in view of this belief and of that fact the inquiry naturally arises here whether it is a sin to enslave a negro to this we are compelled even against our sympathies and preconceived opinions arising out of our education to answer no 
it is no sin in principle. The manner in which it may be done may be sinful, as it is in our power to abuse any and all the privileges put in our hands by the divine being. We are driven to the above conclusion by sheer logical violence, and as follows. If God appointed the race of Ham judicially to slavery, and it were a heinous sin to enslave one or all the race, how then is the appointment of God to go into effect? The reader can but see, as well as feel, the dilemma. The judicial acts of God do never involve the actual commission of sin any more than his works, or acts of mercy and benevolence. It is the way we use such acts, as they relate to men, that sin arises, and not out of the acts of God themselves, as the primary and moving principle of sin. If the actor, in his doings in this life, is aware that he is an instrument in the hands of the divine providence of fulfilling, or carrying into effect a divine judgment, he is only to be careful how, and in what spirit, he does the thing, lest he should be found acting as of himself, and independent of God, making the execution of the divine will his own vindictive, arbitrary, or thoughtless work. Such a course is sin. The destruction of the old Canaanites by the Jews was a judicial act of God, who straightly commanded them, by the ministration of Moses, see Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 2, that they should not spare them, nor show mercy or pity toward them. And yet they were not to be wantonly cruel or murderous, as if they were acting entirely from mere fury and love of butchery. That dreadful affair, the exterminating decree of God against the negroes of old Canaan, was not by the will of man, but of God. The instruments, therefore, were not to sin in its execution by deeds of useless cruelty and ferocity. If they did, then such acts were sinful. God does never sanction sin, nor call for the commission of moral evil to forward any of his purposes. Wherefore, we come to the conclusion that it is not sinful to enslave the negro race, providing it is done in a tender, fatherly, and thoughtful manner, having the fear of God before our eyes, in a transaction of the kind, doing no violence to the bodies or minds of such persons as slaves or servants, beyond proper and necessary correction. This is as easily accomplished as is the government of a family, in the ordinary sense of the word, or the good men of old could not have done it, as they most assuredly did, upon which we shall treat in due order. It is the abuses of the institution of negro slavery, which have recently, by the divine providence, aroused the sympathies of men, but not the principle itself, as God cannot resist his own determinations. There is no man except infidels, and those who are tinctured with principles of the infidel character, 
who for a moment doubts the judicial decision of god in relation to murderers as announced to noah and all mankind through him this act of god is found on the page of the divine record in the same chapter with the act respecting the negro race namely the ninth at the fifth and sixth verses as follows and surely your blood of your lives will i require at the hand of man at the hand of every man's brother will i require the life of a man whoso sheddeth man's blood by murder by man shall his blood be shed for in the image of god made he man this judicial act was announced not to the ears of the half-civilized and barbarous jews as some men speak when the law of moses was given but to the wise and enlightened house of noah about eight hundred years before the law of moses it was therefore the abjuration of god at the head of time to all the nations who might arise on the earth to the end of the world respecting murderers this passage is allowed by all to be judicial but not the other by many though by the same authority and equally specifically noted down and without any condition this judicial act of god is responded to in the ten commandments where it is written thou shalt not kill or in other words thou shalt not murder not meaning as many contend that a murderer must not be killed not even by a public execution so also is the act of god in relation to the judicial condemnation of the race of ham equally responded to in the ten commandment or law of moses where it is written thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's manservant or slave nor his maidservant or female slave as it is in the original if the servants or slaves alluded to in that commandment which is the tenth and last were not therein recognized as property how could a slave be a subject of covetousness as well as an ox or an ass creatures no one denies but were property which are classed together in that command and referred to in the same light equally as being property and as objects that might be coveted as such thus far we have treated on the curse of noah against ham or in other words upon the judicial act of god in relation to that people our next endeavor will therefore be to ascertain whether this judgment was acted upon recognized or sanctioned by the next dispensation following that of the patriarchs namely the law of moses and his successors the prophets kings nobles and elders of the jewish government as was all the other judicial acts of god prior to the law thus ham the sooty monarch of his race adjudged of heaven to fill a servant's place sits regal on his throne in frowning ire the king of slaves their patriarch and sire whose state of servitude can never cease 
till the end of time shall bring the grand release. End of section 5